0: So for the last two Saturdays, kind of a sign of this COVID time, we've sort of been playing catch up in the church and getting a lot of sacraments in. I've had four weddings over the last two weekends, and they were beautiful and just great. I was reflecting this morning in particular on one of the questions that the couples get asked in something called the focus test. It's kind of like one of those compatibility sort of unearthing any kind of issues type of a test that we have the couples take before they get married and one of the questions on it and it's always kind of interesting to see the way that the couples react to it is a statement where it's either agree or disagree or say you're undecided and it's i feel comfortable to be myself around my future spouse and thanks be to god like 99 percent of them are like yeah of course but you know, when you think about that, how important that is to be able to be yourself you know, in front of your future spouse, in front of the people that you love the most, in front of you know, those uh, that you love, that you want to be around. It's a crucial thing. I mean, we need to be able to rest, to not feel like we have to put on a show to be comfortable, so to speak. And we need that in our lives and of course there is an opposite to that and what is that it's being a hypocrite right and and the word for hypocrite I mean, it comes from the greek for actor you know someone who is putting on a show who's acting differently in different places and that's not a good way to go through life right especially if the person you're marrying you have to put on a show around them all the time well that's not going to last That's not going to be a happy way of life well for the last several sundays We have been hearing our Lord time and again speaking to the Pharisees, the chief priests, the scribes. What has he been doing? He's been telling them parables, right? He's been trying to win them over to the point that last week the parable was about the wedding feast that the king was throwing for his son as he prepares to marry his bride. That allusion to the fact of Christ, who is the bridegroom, getting ready to marry the bride, the church, all of us, and wants us to what, like, to rest, to be ourselves, to be in his presence, to, as St. Augustine put, you know, our, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And he's been trying to draw them in time and again, right? By telling them these parables, trying to win them over. And of course, how do they respond? Well, today, it's just a continuation from last week. They go off, they plot how they might entrap Jesus, and they begin with this flattery, right? Oh, you're such a truthful man. You don't care about anybody's opinion. You know, all this flowerly language. And then, and here's the trap, right? Like they're not trying to be in a relationship with him. They're trying, frankly, you know, to get him killed. And we know that eventually that is exactly what they're going to do. And when you look at this even, it's like the Pharisees and the Herodians, they're not typically friends. The Pharisees don't want to have anything to do with the Romans. They would prefer that they would be gone. They kind of consider the Roman occupation as sort of, you know, punishment from God for the sins of the people. But they want the, the Romans out of there. The Herodians are fine to, you know, kind of mosey on up to the Romans. They're kind of happy with the power that they're sort of getting in collaboration with them. And both of them are annoyed by Jesus, don't want him around. And so they're perfectly happy to be hypocrites, to act as though, oh, you're so truthful and wonderful. But hey, this is the thing. They want him to lose the respect of the people by answering the only ways that they could figure out here. It's like, okay, if you're going to pay the tax... Well, then the people aren't going to like you so much anymore because obviously you're in collaboration with the Romans. If you say, don't pay the tax, the Romans are going to come and arrest you and you know throw you away. So they think they've got him, right? The trouble is, is what they don't see is that Jesus Christ, God, who as we know we pray in the act of faith, who can neither deceive nor be deceived, has been trying to draw them into relationship with him. Been trying to draw them into that parable. He wants them... Not to be hypocrites, but to be themselves. To ultimately have that rest that only he can give. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, he wants the same thing for us. He wants us to be who he has created us to be. He created us in his image and likeness. What is God? God is love eternally loving himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in that great mystery, that which he pours out to us and wants us to live in that love all the time. Unfortunately, in this world of fallenness, of unreality, so often we too fall into hypocrisy. We put on different faces. We act in different ways. That's why at the beginning of the Mass in the Confidior, we confess, you know, in my thoughts and in my words and what I've done and what I have failed to do, Those ways in which I've been less than myself, less than that baptismal calling that I'm ultimately called to be, priest, prophet, and king, ultimately loving him because it's in that that we find true rest, that we find ourselves, that we don't have to put on a show, but can rest in his presence. It reminds me of something, there's a book called The Death of Christian Culture by John Sr., and I'm kind of paraphrasing here. But he says one of the great problems that we've done in our houses is we've boxed up the most beautiful thing that we have, the most entertaining thing, and we've locked it away in the closet or the basement, namely the fire. We put it into the furnace and it's gone now. We don't sit around and look at the fire together and sort of commune. Rather, we have this dead glow of the TV, right? It's like this stuff It's just there, we're just passive. It doesn't warm, it doesn't really help you to become who you are, it just is there, and we sort of passively take this stuff in. Ultimately, what we're called to is to be there sort of like looking at the activity of the fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit, he who knows us, he who enlivens our heart, he who empowers us to be who he has created us to be, not hypocrites, not pretending to be something else, but ultimately focused on Striving to become saints. And therein lies the glory. What our Lord is striving for with the Pharisees, with the chief priests, with the Herodians, with everyone he is talking to, it's striving to help them to become who he's created them to be. To be able to be themselves in his presence. Not flattering him, not just sort of you know, putting on a show while trying to entrap, but being at rest in his presence. And ultimately, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that is what we are called on to, is that rest. Neither deceiving him, nor being deceived by him. Him who knows us better than we know ourselves. He wants us to be in that rest. And what a beautiful thing it is. In the same way that the couples, as they answer that question, I'm comfortable to be myself in the presence of my spouse. Well, of course. But ultimately, the good news for us is that's what we're called to for all eternity. That is what's most important. Our Lord wants us to be ourselves with him for all eternity. And the thing is, yes, we have to organize society. We have politics, right? They are important. And he says, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. But first, render unto God what is God's. And that is your very self. He's given you yourself, created you in his image and likeness. We're called to be at rest in him, in love with him, overcoming the sins in him, and then to let that inform everything else. Not to go out there and be deceptive, to say one thing and to mean another, to be personally opposed to something, but then to advocate it in another way. We cannot do that. We're called not to be hypocrites, but to be at rest in In Him. He who is the truth. He who loves us. And therein lies the beautiful thing. We're not called to sit in front of the TV, right? To know that so much of it is not reality. To put away the TV and to sit in front of the fire. But I would say even deeper than just the fire in the house that goes into the furnace that John Senior laments. But the fire of the love of our Lord. We see it bursting forth from His sacred heart. It bursts forth from the tabernacle. It bursts forth from the altar that Christ is present, burning away the sins to help us to be who He has called us to be. It's so much better than just the mere winning in this world that eventually passes away. Most of the, like, homily preps and things I've been doing this week and looking at were almost all about the first reading and Cyrus. I mean, it's important stuff, and it's from Isaiah, and it's incredible. And Cyrus was the king of Persia and was super important 2,500 years ago. But if I don't tell you about him right now, how many of you actually knew who Cyrus was already, right? Um, I think that's an important point. Why? Because he was, like, the most powerful man in the world 2,500 years ago. Now we don't really know his name, but had an important role to play he is loved by God God willing he's in heaven now with all of the angels and saints why because well God used him and he cooperated the thing is we're called to the same thing ultimately at the end of the day we need to come to our Lord not presenting some sort of like false image not being someone that we're not but ultimately being there and being comfortable to be who we are in his presence Allowing Him more and more to call us deeper and deeper into His love. To become who He's called us to be. To rest in Him who can neither deceive nor be deceived. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.